Hello and welcome to the Hales Owen Apostolic Church. Apostolic meaning what God says, not what man thinks. Please enjoy this teaching and if you want more, visit the website at halesowenapostolicchurch.org. This sermon is going to be taken from John 3.19 and the scripture goes, the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. I often think about this, that who always does what they know they should be doing at all times? One of my mentors at work always used to tell me that, look, I'm telling you what's right to do, but I, even I don't do it all the time, so you've got to try and do what you can. But the more I look into the world, the more I kind of learn as life goes on, uh, something strange is happening in the world. All over the world, people are choosing to do things which do not benefit them. Very strange. Doesn't make sense from an evolutionary perspective, does it? Just look at the facts in our lives. Me personally as well, we consume too much unhealthy food and drink. We can become fat. We don't get enough exercise. We do things we know that are wrong. We don't learn anything new after school. We don't get enough sleep. We don't keep on top of the housekeeping. We don't have time for others. We don't save for the future. We have no pension. And on and on. You can pick what you like from that smorgasbord of options. <laughs> I know, yes. Everyone's hungry after that. Paul summed this up nicely in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And he simply said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Hmm. Since the fall, we, the human race, really have struggled with decision-making. Uh, you can see this throughout any time in history. Anyone who'd rather just have a little look at what's happened in humanity over the last few thousand years, most of the time it involves pretty bad decision-making. And uh, here we are today. Um, there, there often seems to be a right thing to do, and, and so often we choose the wrong thing. Sometimes it seems easier to choose the wrong thing than to choose the right thing. And, and personally, how easy is it to excuse ourselves from doing the right thing? I'm too tired. I've had a good day, I've been all right, so I'll just let it go in the evening. I've done good this week. No one will ever know. Do you see what I mean? It's so easy. We, we can justify almost anything in our own minds. It makes me happy is a classic one I've heard. It might for that moment. But we do not know all of the ways, all of the paths for the future. I know for a fact that even in this church, we have been preached the light. So we have heard things, words, 
doctrine, ways from up on high, and then I have gone away and done the opposite in my life. We have heard the word, and we've gone away and lapsed that very same day. God help us. And he has. And he has. And there is hope in Christ. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death and constantly making the wrong decisions? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to what I think I am, to God's law. But in my sinful nature, I'm a slave to the law of sin, in reality. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, please don't misunderstand me. People can make wonderful decisions. Yeah? There are human beings out there. There might even be some here who've made fantastic decisions, noble, sensitive, sensible decisions in their lives. But I think we'd all agree on one thing, that nobody is perfect. Nobody has made every single decision right in their lives. Therefore, we have to agree that humans, every human has a flaw, has some imperfection, and will make the wrong decision at some time or point in their lives at some point. Sometimes these errors are really, really small, and they go unnoticed. Sometimes they are catastrophic. Just think of uh, Stalin. Yep, there's one for you. Regardless, anyway, each, each of these errors is an opportunity for learning. <laughs> Those who trust in Jesus are equally prone to these errors. You didn't think I was going to say that, did you? But, but they have knowledge of two things. One, they are still human. And that if they keep coming back to God and repenting, whilst trying to get better, we are forgiven like it never, ever happened. When we are bapt- and two, when we are baptised in the name of Jesus and filled with his spirit, we are in Christ And therefore, God doesn't see ourselves. He doesn't see these imperfections, but he sees the sinless and perfect covering of his son, Jesus. This spirit also grows and develops righteousness in us. And we know that all things God works for, the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's that growth in righteousness that the Spirit brings. That he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. That's Jesus, the firstborn. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Who's doing all the work here? He is. How much work are we doing? None. He, 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 he. 
What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So if he's prepared to give us his only begotten son, what else is more precious to God than that? Everything is on the table for God. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who, raised, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. The answer is no. Nothing can separate us from the love of our God. This is the power to do what is right. So what is the alternative? Can we have the strength to deny our flesh, ourselves? What can we do with the errors if we have no God in our lives to forgive us and help us overcome this imperfect nature? Well, I can give you an example from my work to bring this to life, okay? I work for a company that makes very critical materials and components, and if they go wrong, people die. That's the end result, so it's, you've got to make sure they're, they're right. But people make these things, and people are prone to mistakes. So how do we square that circle? We create procedures, lots of them, okay? <laughs> if we stick to these procedures, things go right. But what if people don't stick to these procedures? People do die. And they have. I was just thinking about some of the disasters when I was preparing for this. Submarines sinking to the seafloor. There's been a few of those. There's, there's one a couple of years ago. There's one three years ago in Russia. There's been one two years ago in Chile, even now. Aeroplanes falling out of the sky. Chernobyl, the Apollo 13 explosion. And even though all these things happened... We still make use of nuclear power stations. We still fire spacecraft into the sky. We still all go on planes on holiday when we're allowed. There are still submarines being built. And each time something goes wrong, an investigation is launched to find out what happened, and new procedures are laid on top of the old procedures to try and stop that error from happening again. Now, bear in mind that these are enormous errors that we've all heard about. Absolutely massive errors. There are many more errors that are kept behind closed doors that, or near misses that we never hear about. And the procedures get updated anyway to prevent these bigger errors from happening in the future. You get the idea. There's lots of procedures. And this is a constant pr process that only goes one way. You've got more and more and more procedures that you have to stick to. And what do procedures do? They control the process. They take the human error or out of the process up to those procedures. 
We are now at the point where many people's jobs are simply just follow the procedure. Try not to use your brain too much. Yeah? Just follow the procedure. And they are not free to make their own decisions, no matter how qualified they are. The element of human nature is being removed from my industry, at least. This is the alternative. Look at our society after we've gone through that process and how things are controlled in our society. For better or worse, if something goes wrong, then there's new laws stuck on top of the existing laws that we have to try and adhere to. And these are just our way of living, sometimes subtly, sometimes massively. The net effect of all this is the same, that our freedom is limited, it's curtailed by each law that is passed. Freedom is more limited after than before these new laws and these procedures are put in place. Religion is very similar to this, okay? People follow the rules, and as long as they do what the religion says, they think they are okay. The problem is that all religions are flawed. There cannot be a rule for every eventuality, and therefore the human nature creeps back in, because the nature is still the same. We're still working with the same imperfect thing. There is no supernatural power. There's no God in religion. Look at the paedophilia in the Catholic Church. Look at the terrorism in Islam. In these religions, there is a form of godliness, but there is the denial of the power of God. Where is the power of God? Where is it? Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which man, by which we must be saved. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. That's God. Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receives me. And whosoever shall receive me receives not me, but him who sent me. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. There is power there. There is supernatural, spiritual, life-changing power in the name of Jesus. Now, at this moment, just think, all of that is from the Bible. Do not ignore the Bible, okay? Jesus had complete confidence in every word of the Bible that he had there. To stay away from the Bible or Christianity because there are parts of it that you might find offensive doesn't make sense, okay? Because it assumes that if there is a God, he would never say anything that would upset you. So therefore, you're perfect. 
You're the one that is not going to change. You want God to change so that it's palatable to you. Just because God said certain things against homophobia, for example, homosexual, sorry, does that mean that Jesus did not rise from the dead? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Christianity. Some people say that being a Christian limits my freedom. It stops me doing what I want to do. I'd say to that, hold your peace. Don't go with the flow, get the facts first. That might be your opinion. Let's get the facts. Let's see what the Bible says about Christians. John chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them your word. So this is Christians. God has given Christians his word. And the word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Wow. What the heck does that mean? They are not of the world, yet we are clearly in the world. We're here today. Hail's in. Sometimes it doesn't quite feel like it, but it is in. It's on planet Earth, yeah? How can that be? Well, God is not of this world. Yet he's working in the world every moment of every day. God spoke into existence the matter we can see in this universe. Just think about that for a moment. Everything you have ever seen, everything you have ever smelt, touched, came from a singular starting point. Every planet, the sun, every star came from the same microscopically small starting point. Every living thing is made from the same stuff. Yet there is only a single thing that has consciousness enough to question its own existence. Some people believe that this is somehow random. Some people prefer not to even ask the question. But people who seriously address this cannot escape the fact that if there is a starting point, and it was created by an act of God, God is bigger than it all. You might look around you at the billions of people on the planet that have ever existed and wonder, how can he know the desires of all of their hearts? The Bible says that he knows every hair on every head. That includes all the hair on the heads of those past. That's a lot of hair, if you think about it. It's an amazing amount of hair. These things are beyond my comprehension. I think they're beyond the comprehension of man. Why? Because man's in the world. We're stuck here. I'm yet to meet anyone that's been anywhere else in the universe or outside of the universe. There's yet to be a man that is outside of the laws of physics. Man has always been in this world, which is in this galaxy, which is in this universe. Sounds like a child's book, that, doesn't it? Um, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then later on, he created man to live in it. Without realizing for the first 30 years of my life, I used to put all my hope that these big answers would at some point be answered by man. Or that the questions might somehow just become irrelevant. It may take hundreds of generations, but eventually we'll figure it all out. 
I suppose I didn't really have the imagination to think that these questions could ever truly be answered. When I started to question the logic of this position, which had no evidence, it was just what I felt, and therefore it's one of total faith in things other than God, I looked to see what the Bible said about them, and quite quickly I found that the Gospels and Jesus actually gave me some answers. Why did I look at the Bible first? I didn't. I looked everywhere else first. And I, I had an innate aversion to God. I can see it now. I didn't even want to consider that that could be true. I looked at the Quran. I looked into Hinduism. I really prayed and hoped that it was science could give me the answers. I stopped short of Jesus because of what he taught. What he said was very different to anything else I'd ever heard before. Or, and this is the crux of it for me. All of the other religions, all of the other solutions to the problems of man, require man to put things right. Jesus asks us to let him put it right. He did all the work, and he wants to do all the work in our lives if we let him. Let me just read, I was looking at this morning, Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 45. So, if you look at some of everything else, if you class the other world religions and all this, nothing has anything quite like this. And whoever of your desires to be first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Even God manifest in the flesh didn't come to be served. He came to serve, but to give his life as a ransom for many. It's the opposite of man's thinking. It's the total opposite of where we would get to if man were allowed to run with this which he has been done in these other, these religions. There is a reason why Jesus is called the light. He came to show us how God wanted us to live in the first place and to shine the light on the right path, the path to salvation. You shall love the Lord, with, the Lord your God with all your heart and with your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that's the light. What does that actually mean? It means doing the will of God instead the will of the will of man. Now, how does that give you more freedom? How can that possibly give you more freedom in your life? Think about what we've talked about today. God is always right. Okay? Even to an atheist, it doesn't make sense. If God exists, to have a God that gets things wrong. God isn't a man. Okay? God is God. God is perfect. There is no unrighteousness in him. No one is good except God alone. He is wholly set apart from the things of this world. We need to recognize that we aren't perfect. And therefore, we can't make the right decisions every time. God knows this and therefore encourages us to seek him first. He promises to help us find 
the right way forward if we seek him first. This isn't grievous. This isn't something that's going to make our lives worse. This isn't something that's going to kill us. This is massively helpful. Which one of us here would think it's a great idea to let a child walk off the edge of a cliff if that's what the child's will wanted? Just because they can. We know better as grown-ups, and we would stop that from happening for the child's own safety. Our relationship with God is very similar to this. He can see all eventualities. He can see the outcome of every decision we will ever make. He knows the correct move at every single stage. We need to realize this and seek the Lord. And this is the relationship that makes us free. This is the relationship that makes us free. So we are free from the limitations of our own decision-making that gets us in a mess. Because we can channel in to the solution to every single problem ever. Don't forget, God's outside all of the stuff that we see. Now, we need this help because God's got standards. He's got standards for his creation. He expects things from us. In practice, God is expecting us to do the right thing every time. He tells us to not persecute people because they are different. He tells us to put ourselves out for people in need. He tells us not to retaliate. He tells us rather to turn the other cheek. If someone asks you to do something, do it really well. Go the extra mile. All of that is directly from the Bible. Do not treat people by how they look or even seem. We are all equal before God who judges us by the word. Don't get embroiled in fruitless, pointless debates and activities. Life's too short. Be lively with everything I'd love. Even love your enemies. Forgive everyone. Don't hold grudges or let the sun go down on your anger. My friends, that is Christianity. That is Christianity in practice. How much of it do we truly see in the world? Yeah, there are elements of charity, good works, helping our friends out. But Christianity goes way deeper than that. It goes right to the very core and purpose of our lives. It will force you to do the right thing every time. It addresses our human limitations and gives us a solution to them. Gives us the solution to them. The Holy Spirit. God living in us, directing our thoughts, helping us, guiding us through life. Bringing his word into our heart at the moment we need it. Letting us speak his words, not our words. Is that wrong? How can that be wrong? Letting God help us through our lives. And all of these things... Is, are designed to help other people. It doesn't even say to help other Christians. Help other people. We're all in this together. We are all in this together. Humanity needs this. Nowhere is there such a demonstration of this selfless, ethical, moral and righteous living than in Christianity. You might say, you might say that you know lots of Christians and none of them are like this. And to that I would say they aren't Christians. 
I don't think any of us can say we're Christians, but we're trying to be. And we have that relationship with God, which is all that matters in the walk of Christianity. To do this needs power. It needs power to overcome our selfish limitations. We need power to help resist that natural urge to retaliate, to give an eye for an eye, to judge others, to hate those who have different opinions to our own, to hate those who go against what we say. This is where the religions of the world struggle. They rely on individuals to do this, and we know ultimately you can't. When push comes to shove, we need God's help. Some of us do have, some of these do have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. People who believe in God but do not know Jesus deny the power of any faith. No relationship, just blindly following religious rules. Last week I had to go to London and I ended up having two separate discussions with Muslims. The first one was really interesting. Um, he was telling me about his faith. I was telling him about my faith. And I asked him, why do you believe? Why do you believe in that? I don't know, my parents. My parents made me believe. So where have you got your faith from? I don't know. What's your relationship with God? Shall we pray now? Let's pray together. No, I pray at certain times of the day. Like God wants the relationship. He doesn't want the rule following. And the other one was about Jesus being just a prophet. If prophets speak the word of God, yeah? So Jesus, being just a prophet, spoke the word of God. And we've heard about some of the things Jesus said today. Are they right or wrong? Is God right or wrong? Jesus said that he wasn't just a prophet. He's God manifest in the flesh. Is that right or wrong? Never thought of it. Go away and ask. Find the truth. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He can only work on us if we have the light in us. And that, my friends, is the Holy Spirit. We should pray for the Holy Spirit. We should pray for the Holy Spirit today. That, in modern parlance, is the game-changing thing in Christianity. Those who need the Holy Spirit, I ask you and I pray that you can close your eyes, you can dwell on these things that you've heard today, that you can give God a chance. He says that he is always waiting at the door and he just wants you to open that door today and let him in. Give him a chance to come through that door. Consider that it might be true. If you write it off before you even approach the door, you'll never know. So Father, I pray that today we can feel your spirit again. 
I pray that we can be baptized in your Holy Spirit. What's that mean? Lord, that you will fill us, that we speak up, we repent from our sins, from our will, from our way of doing it, and we accept your will. We accept you into our lives, Father. We lift you up because you deserve that. You are God. I encourage us all to pray. Let's lift God up. Let's seek his will. Let's seek his power from up on high. Father, let us feel your presence. Father, let us hear your word. Give us that conviction, Father, that impressing upon our spirit, on our soul, where we cannot deny that there is something changing in the room. Your spirit is there, Father. You say that when two or three are gathered, you are there amongst us. You hear every prayer. Oh, Lord, we seek your will, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we've heard a word from you today, Lord. Just very structurally, Lord, putting down, Father, what this world's about, Father, and the scriptures that tell us, Father, that it is by your Spirit. And we've already found, Father, that these words that are spoken, they are spirit and they are life. And, Father, this morning, Father, you know, for those who have received the Spirit, let's just pray in the Spirit today, shall we? Let the Spirit flow. We've heard the word. Let the Spirit flow. Come on. Begin to let God speak through you. Let that Spirit flow. Lord, you are the glorious Father. We welcome you here today, Lord. Touch our soul. Let's feel your presence, Father, Lord. Let's go. Lord, my God. This Lord, we forgive, forgive us, Lord, for the lack of faith that we have, Father. Hallelujah. And say, oh, we've got a good life, but it's not just the flesh. Everything we've got will disappear one day. Ah, uh, yes. We've got nothing. We came into the world with nothing, and we'll go out of this world in nothing. That's why we bring this gospel. We want eternal life. Thank you, 
Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying amongst themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And that's the God we know. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your truth, for the richness of your words. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the time here today, Father, where we can focus on you. Leave the things of the world at the door, Lord. Help us grow closer every day. Help us grow in trust. Help us let you work these things in our lives, in the world. For, Father, this would make the world a better place if these virtues... If the fruit of the Spirit would manifest across the world, the world would be a better place. These are for our own benefit, Father, and you know what benefits us. So thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us as we go back out into the world. Help us this week make better decisions. Help us give you the information and ask you and seek you first, Lord. And help us choose the light. Help us hate the darkness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.